There was a story told about a man, he had his girlfriend, took her to a real fancy restaurant, and when she sat down for dinner, he had this elaborate box sitting on the table. It was her birthday, and she was chomping at the bits to open that box, and he said, you can open it after dinner, after you eat, and the whole time she was just, you know, couldn't hardly keep her focus on her food she was wondering what's in that box because it was a big you know it was a pretty big box and she was thinking what in the world has he got me that wasn't exactly the size of the box she'd been hoping for and you know but it's got this big box and and all of a sudden finally you know and she he, he said just eat dinner eat dinner and she keeps going on with him and finally she finishes dinner and he says okay you can open it now and she tears it open and there is a beautiful silk pillow and she looked at it and she said, wow, a pillow. I mean, that's, I, it's really nice, but, but a pillow? Really? Thanks a lot. And you could hear the disappointment in her voice. And he got up and took the pillow away from her, put it on the floor and bend it one knee. And proposed. I want you to think about it because she was upset over what was in that box and she didn't realize, I mean, she, she wasn't enjoying her journey at the moment. And she didn't realize that what was in the box was going to lead to the promise she'd been waiting for. Sometimes the journey you're on may be like that pillow in a box. You may be looking at it, trying to figure out what's this about? Where's it at? A pillow? Really? I'm going through this? Really? But it's what's in that box that leads to our promises. Amen. Today, I want to preach to you for just a little while on when your promise becomes your passion. Would you say it with me one more time? When your promise becomes your passion. In the book of Psalms, the 42nd chapter, it says, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him day and night? I've only tears for food while my enemies continually taunt me saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. The psalmist writes, and that's an, that's an impassioned plea. How many of you have ever been there before when all of a sudden life, you know, when life takes a wrong turn, you better make sure you got the right roadmap. Because sometimes you find yourselves traveling roads you never thought you would be on and it seems like there's no rhyme or reason for the season you're in or, or for the page you're on in your life and you're trying to decipher it and you're trying to figure it out and if you're not careful, it can become overwhelming to you. 
doctors. Everybody say D is for doctors. Health issues. Hey, doc, how you doing? I don't mean that. I, I thank God for Nate and everyone that's in the medical profession here, but I hope I never see you on a professional basis. What are you saying? I, you know, health issues and, and we struggle with those things. And when all of a sudden your body's not functioning the way that God made it to function, well, probably I ought to retrace that because actually our body probably is functioning the way God made it to function. But sometimes what we do to our bodies, I couldn't understand why I couldn't get back down to my 32 waist in my 155 pound frame when I had so much help. Doritos was helping me. Bluebell ice cream chipping in. You understand what I'm talking about? There's some things that we do to ourselves. Turn around, look at your neighbor and you say, you know you're doing it. We, we do it to ourselves. We get out and we play. Man, when I was a kid, I played. I remember we went up to the, to the school and we played basketball from 10 o'clock that morning till 10 o'clock that night. No kidding. We, man, I mean, we took a break, you know, to go get something healthy like a Mountain Dew and, you know, and, and, and just all day long. And it was the first time I ever experienced this. That night when I laid down on a bed, and I laid down, is the first time in my life I ever had twin Charlie horses. One in each leg. I got, I, my, my legs seized up and I got up and I'm going, oh, oh. The other one went and I went right out on the floor. I just, oh man, you know, sitting there trying to, and I thought, what is going on? What, what? Well, it was what I did that day. And so sometimes what happens is we were paying a price for what we did. Now, look at your neighbor. Here's some good news. Look at your neighbor and say, he's already paid the price. So I don't have to be trapped anymore. I don't have to be down anymore. D is for doctors. I thank God for doctors, but I don't want to see any. R is for relationship. Everybody say relationship. How many of you ever had a wonderful relationship? How many of you ever had a wonderful relationship go horrible? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, it's kind of like that. Well, I better not tell that story. <laughs> you know, what I'm, a relationship that goes bad, you, all of a sudden you, you think that you found the man of your dreams until you find out what he's really like. You think that that girl is so beautiful until she shows her attitude. How many of you know that there's something that goes a lot deeper than just what we look like on the outside? And that's what God's looking for, a man that's after his own heart relationships. We've had them broken. We've had promises broken. We've had heartache. We've had heartbreak. And sometimes all those relationships, if you're not careful, they pile up on you and you begin to feel like, well, I'm just going to become a hermit, you know, and, and, and just isolate everybody out of my life. And that's really what the devil wants you to do, because if he can isolate you, he can take you out. Economy. Everybody say E is for economy finances. How many of you ever had the weekend? Um, how many of you ever had your money in before the weekend? 
You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, I got one witness here. Amen. The rest of you are afraid to hold your hands up. You don't want anybody to know you're broke. <laughs> this, you know, or you, you, know, you, you go in and uh, I never forget when I take the grandkids shopping, it's always amazes me because they'll find something uh, that it'll be $5.95. I said, how much money you got? $5. But they don't hesitate a second. They, they got, I got $5. And they, well, I was thinking, well, what about that other 95 cents? Well, they got pawpaw backing them up. <laughs> you know, finances don't have to get you down if you recognize that your father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He can, he can take care of it and you just have to trust him. So E for economy and A is for anxiety. Everybody say anxiety. Unsure, fearful. Did you ever meet somebody nervous? How are you? Wonderful. Literally, man, it's like, you know, the, and I mean, we're, we're laughing a little bit about it, but it ain't no fun if you're living that way. It's no fun when all of a sudden everything around you just, you know, you, you're, you're a, a, you, you are a bag of nerves and, and, and you don't know what to do and you can't calm down. And, and, and all of a sudden now you're taking a pill to calm down and, 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 and you, you just a wreck. Everybody say a wreck. God doesn't want us to live like that. He doesn't want that anxiety in our life. And then the depression, when all of your motivation's gone. When you struggle to get up in the morning, when you can't think of a reason to get up for. So I've got all this stuff piling up. I've got doctors, I've got relationships, I've got economy, I've got anxiety, and I've got depression. And that spells dread. Everybody say it, dread. And so we end up living a life that's clouded with dread. We end up, we're not enjoying our journey anymore. We're just trying to get through the next day. We're not experiencing abundant life. We're just barely staying alive. And that's not what God intended. This psalmist, when he writes, he begins to remember of a time when it wasn't that way. He remembers a time when everything was going well. How many of you remember better days? You know, I'm talking about, we, we, we think about better days. We think about a time when we were younger, when our bones didn't ache, when I could jump higher, when I could run faster, when, when I, I, you know, uh, times, it's always better. There's nothing wrong with reflecting on the past as long as you choose not to try and live in the past. Because if you're trying to live in the past, you're never going to be able to take possession of your future. God's got something for you right here, right now, and you've got to make up your mind you're going to go after it. That the, the psalmist is reminiscing over all those things, and then he comes to a conclusion. He says, wait a minute, man. Why am I, why am I so depressed? Why am I down and out? I've got a God that can do anything. I've got a God that's more than enough. So he decides, he said, I'm going to change the, the way this psalm's floating here. And I, I'm going to thank God. I'm going to rejoice in God because he's alive and he's well. David's got 600 men that were such a fierce fighting force that Philistine armies feared them. And those 600 men turned on David one day and said, we ought to just stone you because some things had happened and they needed somebody to blame for it. 
How many of you have ever played the blame game? Anybody? How many of you have ever lost your keys and blamed your spouse for it? What are you pointing at me for? She didn't, she doesn't, she didn't raise her hand and say, yeah, I've done that. She said, yeah, right there, right there. Got up one morning late for, you know, running late for work and I'm trying to find my keys and I, Debbie's still in bed and I'm saying, man, where are my keys at, babe? Where are my keys at? And she said, I'm, and I'm, I'm, man, I'm getting in a panic. Where are my keys at? Where are my keys at? And then she said, oh, I don't know. I said, well, get up and help me look for them. I always find out that if you stay sweet, it helps. She she jumps, she gets up and she said, I said, well, the kids probably got them, you know? And she said, well, have you checked your pocket? And I said, they're not in my pocket. And she said, well, well, why don't you look in the car? And I said, well, I have, but I'll go look again. I went outside, opened the car door. And when I stuck my leg in the car to sit down, I felt something stick me. And guess what was in my pocket? I didn't bother to go in and let her know. I just started the car, took off, and prayed all day long. She'd forget all about that conversation that morning. (laughs) The blame game. So they're blaming David because of what's going on. They had gone out to fight against the Philistines and got sent home by the king of Gath because the Philistines were afraid that David would turn on them. And when they get back home, they find out that their families are gone and their cities burned and all their possessions are gone. And everybody's looking at David saying, it's your fault we're in this mess. I'm, uh, we ought to just kill you. We ought to just stone you. What would it be like to have 600 men, uh, fighting men, breathing down your neck? It's, listen, man, when we, we talk about bullying, it's bad enough if you got one bully on your back. Could you imagine 600 breathing down your neck? And all of a sudden, David did something. David didn't look up and say, God, get these people off my back. The Bible said that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you can't wait for somebody else. Sometimes you just got to make up your mind. Hey, you're still God. You're still able. So I'm going to declare it. I'm going to stand up and shout it. Say, say, man. Did you see that big response? That's right. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because here's the truth. Sometimes when dread is breathing down your neck, it's hard to encourage yourself. Sometimes you need somebody else to encourage you. There's a story in the book of Matthew, the 11th chapter, and it's about a son of promise. This boy was promised to his parents when they were too old to have children. His father's name was Zacharias and his mother's name was Elizabeth. Zacharias is in the temple. He's way up in years and he's in the temple. And when he goes into the temple, Gabriel, an angel with a name, appeared to him and said, your wife's going to conceive and, and have a, a child and you're going to call him John. And, and all of a sudden, while the, he's telling him that, he, Zechariah looks at this angel that just appeared to him and says, well, how am I going to know that? I mean, come on, man. If an angel showed up in your house and told you something, would your response be, well, how do I know that's true? 
I mean, think about it. An angel, an angel, an, an angel. How many of you have ever seen an angel? I have. And I'm going to tell you the last thing I did was start asking questions. An angel showed up and told him, you're going to have a son. You're go-, and, and, and he says, well, how will I know? And, he, and this is the angel's response. He said, my name is Gabriel. I, I stand in the presence of God. And since you didn't, can I put it in the vernacular? And since you didn't believe what I told you, you can just keep your mouth shut until that boy gets here. Sometimes we don't understand we're killing our own promise. The words that we speak are fighting, about, are fighting us because the devil takes your word and he uses it against you. And so you've got to learn how to declare life. You've got to learn how to speak to the mountain and so the mountain will become a plain. And so she conceives. They have a son and they're trying to name him Zacharias and Elizabeth's got no part of it. And all of a sudden she said, no, we're going to name him John. She said, you don't have any relatives named John. You can't do that. And they're looking at the Zachariah for some comment and he can't comment. And he takes a tablet and writes down his name is John. And when he handed them that tablet, his mouth opened and he began to praise God. When the promise becomes your passion, things happen. And all of a sudden, it's, he, and, and John goes out, man, and he's preaching in the wilderness. And these people are coming out to him from all around. And, and, and they said, are you, are you the Messiah? And he said, no, I'm not. And he said, well, are you that prophet? He said, no, I'm not that prophet. Well, I said, who are you? And he looked at them and he said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. He quoted out of Isaiah. John understood who he was, what he had come for it's time you understand who you are what you're here for God's got a purpose and a plan for your life and you got to stir it up John stands against them all and then all of a sudden it all goes south how many of you ever had good times go bad he speaks out and he gets in trouble He gets thrown in jail because he spoke up for what was right, not what was wrong. How many of you ever paid a price for doing something that was right? You know, there's no big deal in getting in a mess over something you did wrong. We get that. We don't like it, but we get it. But he's in jail over standing up for what was right. And he's struggling with it. This son of promise is losing his passion. He's sitting in a jail cell. He knows that an executioner's coming. And he's sitting there trying to figure it all out. You ever been there? Have you ever gone through something where you're saying, God, I don't get this? What did I do to deserve this? I don't understand, God. How could you let this happen? John had introduced him as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And there's something you need to understand and you need to know. 
is John didn't realize that Jesus was going to lay down his life for us. All John knows is he's doing miracles. All John knows is Jesus is out walking free and he's sitting in death row. And he starts to contemplate it and he starts thinking, has this all been for nothing? Have I gone through all this for nothing? Have you ever been there? Have those words ever come out of your mouth? Did I go through all this for nothing? And so he calls two of his disciples and he said, I want you to go and find him. And I want you to ask him if he's the one that was supposed to come. Or should I be looking for somebody else? Because I don't understand this at all. It's tough when you're going through things that you don't understand. When all of a sudden your promise begins to lose its passion, you find yourself in a prison. If you fast forward a little bit, there's another man that comes to the scene and he's a man of passion. You find him introduced in the eighth chapter of Acts. And this is what it says about him. This is in the message. The eight, eight, Acts 8 and 3. And Saul just went wild. Devastating the church. Entering house after house. Dragging men and women off to jail. This guy's passionate. I mean he's passionate. But he's got no relationship. He's into religion, he just doesn't know who Jesus is. And when you're into religion, but you don't know Jesus, that can be a dangerous thing. I mean, this guy is committed to hauling folks off like you and throwing them in jail and even trying to get them executed. He's committed to that. And then all of a sudden, one day, something happened. He's on his way to Damascus. He's, he's got letters. He's going after folks. He's mad. Have you ever seen anybody that was mad? Amen. I'm not talking about angry. I'm talking about <laughs> mad. Veins popping out on their head. <laughs> What'd you say? Mad. This guy, this Saul is on a rampage. There's no talking to this guy. There's no explaining to this guy. As a matter of fact, he said, I'm going after those that are of the way. Everybody say the way. Are you of the way today? I am. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't even realize who he was fighting against. And all of a sudden he finds himself apprehended, knocked down on the ground, uh, and a bright light blinds him. Uh, and all of a sudden he hears a voice over him saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know what he did? He looked up and he said, Lord, who, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. How do you think he felt? 
Have you ever been so adamant about something and you, you swore that this is the way it was and, and, and you said, you're wrong, you're just wrong, man, I know this is how it is. And then all of a sudden facts come out and you're the one that was wrong and your spouse was right. Don't you hate when that happens? Be honest. All of a sudden, you know, and, and so you look at, you turn around, you try and blow it off. Well, everyone, everybody gets lucky once in a while. No, he's got him on the ground. He's blind. And Jesus is over him saying, I'm Jesus. And something happens. All of a sudden, this man that was filled with passion, but his passion was rage, changes. And he becomes a child of promise. And instead of destroying the church, he begins to help the church. How many of you are ready for a change in your life? When your promise becomes your passion, something happens. So John's sitting back in jail and he's waiting for those disciples to show up. He's waiting for an answer. And as he's sitting there, all of a sudden those disciples are out looking for Jesus. They find him. And in the hour they find him, he raises the dead. He causes blind eyes to see. He makes the lame walk. And now these guys swallow real hard because they're supposed to go ask him if he's the one. Look, man, if somebody just raised the dead in front of you, I think the last thing you'd want to be asking them is, are you of God? And they walk up to him and they look at him. And they say, hey, hey, Jesus, John, John sent us to ask you if you're the one that's supposed to be coming or should we be looking for someone else and expecting him just to call lightning down or something. And instead, this is what Jesus does. Jesus didn't get angry. He didn't look at them and say, who does John think he is? He didn't look at them and begin to berate John. He didn't begin to throw a fit and say, how dare he question my authority? Why? Because he understood. He understands what you're going through. He understands when dread comes over your life and it tries to settle in on you like a blanket. He understands when all of a sudden your sunny days find clouds trying to overshadow them. And so what he does is he gathers those men in and he looks at them and he said, I want you to go and tell John what you see. I want you to show him again. That means he'd seen it before, but how sometimes we forget what we've seen. How many of you have ever forgotten? what God's done for you. How many of you have ever found yourself in a state of depression and all of a sudden forgot everything God had done and how he brought you out and how he set you free and you allow that to settle in on you again? And he said, you go show him again those things that you see, that the blind see and the lame walk and the deaf are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And they turn to walk away to go tell John the news. And as they turn to walk away, all of a sudden I can see Jesus in my mind stop them and say, I want you to tell John something else. Tell John, blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Do you know what the word offended means there in Greek? It means to trip up. Has the devil ever tripped you up in your faith? Has he ever caused you to stumble? Has he ever caused you to fall? 
Has he ever caused you to want to throw the towel in and say, forget this and walk away? He said, you go show John, you tell John that if he can hold on without giving up, if he can hold on without just throwing in the towel, he's going to be a blessed individual. John didn't know that Jesus would give his life, but when those men come back and they tell John the news, God gave me imagination for something. I can see John in my mind, sitting in that prison house, singing the blues, feeling like, man, what was the point? And they come in and they said, John, this guy's still raising the dead. Blind eyes are open, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and, and the poor have the gospel preached to him. And did you ever get those chill bumps go up and down your spine? You know, you couldn't explain away any other way except, man, I just felt God in here. And all of a sudden, John gets that and he starts to stand up and a smile comes over his face and he realizes, hey, maybe what I've given my life for isn't a waste after all. Maybe everything I've been through has been worth it. And then they look at John and they say, John, by the way, he said, bless it. You're going to be blessed if you can get through this life without getting offended at him. And then John understands, if I can finish this race with joy, if I can hang on, if I can refuse to let the devil have my song, if I can hang on to my testimony, if I can shout in a midnight hour, if I can stand up when I don't feel like standing up and declare him when I don't feel like declaring him, he's going to bless me. Anybody can get excited when everything's going right in your life, but what about when hell breaks out? Can you stand up and touch heaven? In that moment, that's when you find out what's in the pot. Because nobody knows what's in the pot until the fire comes on. John had been through so much. And the devil was trying to get him to lose his passion. He was trying to cause him to walk out of this life feeling defeated. Don't misunderstand me. John was still saved. But he didn't feel very saved. He was still victorious but he didn't feel very victorious. But when he understood that Jesus was telling him, John, it's gonna be worth it, man. Just hold on to the promise. Then he got his passion back. And when he got his passion back, I can see him as they're leading him out. You know, Nero's ordered his execution, or not Nero, but Herod's orders his execution. Don't you, can't you see Herod thinking, well, I guess I'm going to show that John once and for all, talk about me, talk about my wife. I see John walking by him and smiling real big. What are you happy about? I just found out something. And Herod, if you think you had trouble with me, you ain't seen nothing yet because Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. He's going to turn it around. He got his passion. Now, here's a guy that had passion, but he had no promise. Now, watch what happens when promise and passion meet. John gets, or Paul gets thrown in prison too. And this is what he, he writes to those around him. Can I, just put the, can I just put this in plain English? He writes to those around him. He says, look, I know you've heard I'm in jail. If you want to follow it, it's in Philippians, the first chapter, starting with the 12th verse. He says, look, I know you've heard I'm in jail. 
but you need to understand something about what I've been going through. Just because I'm in jail doesn't mean I've lost my song. Just because I'm in jail doesn't mean I've lost the victory. And just because I'm in jail doesn't mean that I'm not right where God wants me. He said, as a matter of fact, he said, because I'm in jail. Everybody say, because. Everybody say it this way, because I'm having a bad day. Because I'm facing some stuff. Because the devil's breathing down my neck. He said, everybody in the palace knows about the gospel. Oh, no, you're not getting it. He said, everybody, he said, he said, because of this, let me, let me just give you his words. This is what he says. He says, so that because of my bonds are manifest in the palace in all other places. Everybody knows why I'm locked up. I know the new, I know the Jerusalem times is saying it's because I'm a heretic. I know the Washington Post said it's because I'm a Trump lover. I know that the the New York Times said it's because I'm an Obama lover. But the truth is it's because I'm a Jesus lover. And everybody in the palace knows that. Everybody, oh, that's not the best. Philippians 4 and 22, at the close of this chapter, listen to this. This is Paul speaking. He said, all the saints salute you. Everybody say, all the saints say howdy. Chiefly they that are Caesar's household. No, you missed it or you'd be running laps in here. What are you talking about? He said, look, he said, I've been arrested. They got me locked up. But you need to know something that just because I'm locked up doesn't mean the word's locked up. (laughs) Just because they shut me down, they couldn't shut the promise down. Just because I know... (laughs) I was working a job and they came out and they said, you can't tell this out here. I said, you watch me. <laughs> they're not going to shut you down. Look at them and say, you're not gonna sh- they're not going to shut me down. Do you ever have somebody want you to shut up about God? Anybody, am I the only one in here that's gone through that? Why don't you just shut up? Why don't you do, you're always, I, I was in college, when I was in college, we were having a student council meeting. I was the president of student council. And all of a sudden we're college and they come together so, and, and, and I'm talking about the Lord in a meeting. And all of a sudden one of the, the girls spoke up and she said, I think we need to run things more by parliamentary procedure in here. We come in here and we talk about God and everything else. And I said, whoa, everybody do that one time. I was doing that before it was ever something. I just said, hey, hang on a second. You need to understand something. I looked at her and I said, you need to understand something. I said, I'm going to talk about God wherever I'm at and whenever I can. Because if there's one thing we ought to talk about, it's God. I said, oh, oh, now, can I meddle for a minute? Come here. Come up here. I'm talking to you. I want you to pray for me. Not on my foot. My back's already hurting. I want you to pray for me. No, no, I ain't done. 
<laughs> I, need you to tell, I need to tell you why I want you to pray. Because my back is hurting. My back's hurting because my wife left that window open. And I told her not to. I told her to shut it. I told her it'd mess with my back. I told her not to. Now I'm hurting. So I want you to pray. Lord, help me. I'm not quite done yet. <laughs> and my kids won't listen. It's like my wife. They won't listen. Uh, this, this is a made-up character, folks. My wife listens. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm, we're going on vacation, and I want a good honeymoon. <laughs> and so, thank you. That, that's how it goes. People, they, instead of standing on the promise, they're sitting on the premise. They're not, they're not declaring the word of God. They're declaring their junk. They're declaring their stuff. God is my witness. There was a lady years ago in a, a church, and I walked up to her, and I said, Sister, how you doing? Shook her hand. I said, how you doing? She said, well, my children won't pay no attention to me. And I, and I mean, man, just started a list and just started, wow, 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 wow. Sounded like Charlie Brown's school teacher. Wow, 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 wow. And I looked at her and I said, I, I, I smiled real big and I said, sister, you got to be doing better than that. Jesus is alive. And I walked off. <laughs> I thought, man, I'm getting away from there. <laughs> Next week, I went back to her. I shook her hand. I said, sister, how you doing? She looked at me and she said, after what you said to me last week, I'm not even going to tell you how I am this week. <laughs> God answers prayer. <laughs> Don't become a trash can. Don't let somebody dump all their garbage on you. I'm not talking about someone that's sincere, that's coming to you with a, pro with a problem that wants prayer. But you know the difference when somebody's coming expecting uh, and when someone's just coming complaining. Uh, so we need to say, God, here I am. He's locked up. He's in prison. But he's still got a promise. And this is what he said. He said, he said, all the saints salute you. He said, all, all the brothers and sisters that you know, say hello. But there's some new kids on the block that wanted me to say hi for them too. They're Caesar's household. Okay, so, do you understand that while Paul's locked up in prison, he has a revival right underneath that Roman emperor's nose. Can't you see Caesar's child, one of Caesar's kids walking by and saying, hey, praise God, Papa. What'd you say? What'd you say? Praise God. Where'd you hear that? Well, that guy you got locked up down there, man. He done led me to the Lord and I'm excited. <laughs> He can turn it around if you let him. When your promise becomes your passion, uh, revival breaks out. Uh, when your promise uh, becomes your passion, miracles happen. You say, well, pastor, what's my promise? It's in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have ever lasting life that's your promise but it's only yours when you lay hold of it it's only yours if you go after it i wish i'd have brought my wallet out here 
Anybody got a wallet I can borrow? <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, here, I got one. You got any credit cards in here? No. Dave, can I look in here? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> what do you say? I'm saying that it's easy to give away something that's not yours. But it's when it's yours and you're willing to part with it, it says one thing. Love. His only begotten son. We talk about what Jesus went through. Do you ever think about what God went through? He knew what was going to happen to him. And he even made a way out for him. Jesus looked at him and he said, don't you know that even now I could call him my father and he would send legions of angels down here. What was he saying? Jesus was saying, I know God loves me. My circumstance doesn't determine his love. My situation isn't a measure of whether or not he loves me. They were ripping the flesh off of his back. They were beating him in the face. The Bible said that his image was marred more than any man. And yet he knew that his father loved him. You've got to quit letting the devil manipulate you over your situation and your circumstance and cause you to feel like God doesn't care and he doesn't love because of what you're going through. He loved you. And can I tell you that Jesus loves you? He gave what belonged to him to a stranger. What do you mean a stranger? Well, God knows you, but you didn't know him said that God commended his love toward us and that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. We didn't know him. Can I ask you a question? What was your response when you first found out about him? See, and I don't want anybody to take this wrong, but sometimes if you're around something all the time, it's easy to take it for granted. Can even happen in a marriage. That's why I'm taking my wife on a cruise. You've got to make time because otherwise you'll, you'll take it for granted. He died when we didn't know him. And when I found out who he was, it changed my life forever. I'm not talking about, I didn't understand, I didn't grow up in church. I grew up, my dad wasn't an alcoholic, but he drank. And so I know what it's like to go sit in a bar with my dad. Now, dad wasn't, stay with me here because I don't want to lose you in this. Dad loved me and he wasn't abusing me. That was just the only life he knew. And he was a good dad to me. 
And he didn't take me where they were, you know, into a, a, a bar where, you know, everybody was drunk out of their mind and all that. We, we used to go in and sit down and watch the Cubs play ball. That's before I knew about the Cardinals. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I, I knew about them. I was just, I was, I, I was a Cubs fan then. And I'm a Cubs fan now. As, as soon as the Cardinals, as soon as the Cardinals are out of the playoffs, I'm a Cubs fan again. <laughs> but he loved me. I knew he loved me, but I didn't know my other father. And he didn't know him either. And the day I found out about God, honestly, I thought the place I went, I thought they were off. But I felt something. I heard about the promise. And I began to feel something that I could only describe as a passion. I wanted to know more about this God that was making me a promise. And the more I found out, the more passion grew. When your promise becomes your passion, revival happens. When your promise, when all of a sudden, God, the promise he made, when it's more than just a Sunday morning, when it's more than just, well, let's bow our heads at the table and pray over our meal. And all those things are good and wonderful and needed. But you need more to find the miracle. And when those come together, there aren't enough devils in hell that can stop you from praising him. Would you stand with me today? So I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I'll pray for any needs you have. And if, and if you've got to go, I understand. Don't wait for me to dismiss you. If you need to go, I understand that. And, 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 and you're free to go. But I want to do something a little different today. I want to pray for your passion. I want to pray for your ministry. People say, well, Pastor, I, I don't have a ministry. If you're breathing, you've got ministry. Because he's called us all to be a witness. So the question becomes, how effective is my witness? If there's no passion there, it's not going to be very effective. I mean, who wants to go up and hear somebody, praise the Lord, brother, come to church with me Sunday and you can be just like me. <laughs> well, whatever you caught, I don't want. So I think I'll just pass on that. But if all of a sudden they see a smile on your face and it's not a fake one, if all of a sudden they see something in you that they long for, I'll never forget my wife and her sister were in a bank one day and the teller stopped them and she said I want to know something she said I want to know what you got said because every time I see you you got a smile on your face and you seem happy 
No wonder David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil uh, because you're with me. Uh, what was he saying? He's saying my promise has become my passion uh, and there's no devil that's going to stop me now. And so they begin to share what that was and, and how that made them feel. And Debbie, on, on, I, I mean, just, you know, my, my, I know where my gift is. And it's not singing. And, and I, I, I can't, Debbie goes and walks through the mall and she's got radar. She'd be in Walmart and that's do, 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 you know. And, and she's drawn to people. I tried that one day. I was trying to make it happen. And I thought they were going to call 911. You start walking, following people through Walmart and find out what happens to you. I was trying to find somebody to, that I could witness to. It's got to be real. You can't make it happen. You got to let it happen. How do you let it happen? You open the door to your heart. He said, I stand at the door knocking. If any man will open that door, I'll come in and I'll sit with him. I'll sup with him. We're going to have fellowship together. That's what I want. I needed a God that I knew was real. I needed a God that when I woke up in the morning, I could feel him. I needed that when I prayed that I knew he was there, that it wasn't emptiness, it wasn't space. And don't you ever pray, God, reveal your power to me unless you're ready for something to happen. Because, man, I didn't know who I was for about a day and a half. I'm telling you that there's more to God than just coming to a church service. You have ministry. Benny, there are people that hear you and see you and they, and your word carries clout with them. Not because of the fact that you never have any problems, but in spite of the fact that you do because they still see a smile and they still see a commitment and they wonder how can he hang on and he's given you a door of opportunity to share with others no we don't want to go to the doctors but when we do God can use you there think about it say but pastor you don't understand I come from a rough family well diamonds are pretty rough when they start out just an old lump of coal and then the more pressure you get put through and the more you begin to shine well I had a rough start well you're gonna have a glorious finish <laughs> Well, the devil's been messing with me. It's because he knows you're in line for promotion. And you can't get to the next level without facing another devil. Amen. So if you want the promotion, say, here I am, God. Here I, am, God. I know you got me. I know you're going to take care of me. So bring it on. 
because I'm ready to move forward. Say it with me. I'm ready to move forward. I want to pray for your ministry today. So if you're in this place, I'm going to ask you, look, I, I need to do this real quick. Would you come here for just a second? I'm not, please. Some uh, ushers come. What's your name? Jennifer, I, I don't know who you are. I probably, maybe I'm supposed to, I don't know. But I, when I see, when I looked at you, I started to move off in another direction and I felt like God just paused me and said, no, I want you to talk to her. In your life, there have recently, it's like some walls came up and, 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 and seemed to try to close in. Am I telling you the truth? Now, look, I don't know you, but he does. He doesn't just know you. He loves you. And so he stopped everything else so you would know. And he's saying, you tell her not to worry about that wall of opposition. That wall that seems to be trying to close in because I'm getting ready to put my hand against that wall. And it's not going to close any farther. And I'm going to turn some things around in her life. That what has seemed like a drawn out nightmare is getting ready to break into a brand new day. Are you ready for that? Just stretch your hands to heaven with me. Father, I thank you today. Thank you for what you're doing for Jennifer. Now, God, let her feel your tangible presence. Show yourself real to her. In her heart, in her dreams, in her journey. I give you praise for it right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Can you love him? Can you love him with me? Thank you, Jesus. He knows us. I'm getting ready to pray for you. But in Scripture, there's a guy, he's a ruler. Sitting on a throne, he's got all kinds of power, man. He's the number one ruler in the world at the time. Somebody shows up to him with a manuscript. It's... 150 years old and when he turns the page of that manuscript he sees his name and he reads these words thus I say to my servant Cyrus who I've called by name I'm going to put it in plain English for you I've given you the power to conquer all these nations it's because of me that you've prospered and gone forward and now I'm telling you to release my people so they can build Jerusalem release my people do you know what he did <laughs> he released those folks and he sent provision with them why because a promise became a passion it can happen in you you know you're called for more you know God's spoken things to you and over you, but sometimes you're in that place where John was, feeling like you're sitting in a prison, trying to figure out, why am I here? God's going to use every step of your journey. It's not a delay. 
it's a promotion. <laughs> you understand, Joseph felt like, well, man, this is a delay. No, it was preparation. He was going to be ruler over Egypt. He'd never, he'd never ruled anything. He, the only thing he'd ever done successfully was tell on his brothers. God puts him in a place where all of a sudden now he's a slave. But he's promoted to the head of a household and he's ruling a very large household. Preparation for a nation that he'll rule one day. He gets thrown in prison and he's dealing with people that are depressed, that have no hope, that are completely full of despair because one day those type of people will stand before him in need. And it's hard for you to help someone if you don't have compassion. There's an old saying, walk a mile in my shoes. Before you abuse or before you accuse, criticize and abuse, just walk a mile in my shoes. And so God <laughs> entered the earth through his son and walked in our shoes and understood our pain, our grief, and our hopes. And he's made provision for your promise to become your passion. If you're in this house today and you say, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna start with Carl and Elizabeth. I'm gonna ask them to come up. They're getting ready to go to Michigan next week. And they're going to be ministering there. Would you just stretch your hands toward them right now? You know, sometimes our heart is so filled with the want to, and we forget that God brings everything together. So you've got to, it's kind of like, I just went and got a puzzle here about two weeks ago, and it was a thousand piece puzzle. And it was a puzzle of a portrait, a picture that I have. And we were putting it together and we spent hours doing the framework because you you got to get the framework right so everything can go inside and after hours and me searching my wife searching my two grandchildren searching my daughter searching we discovered that two pieces of that puzzle were missing I was not happy and I felt like that all that was just for nothing well when it comes to putting puzzles together maybe but when it comes to the plan of God the peace that's missing God holds in his hand and he reveals it at just the right time would you stretch your hands to heaven with me father I thank you now let it flow through them Use them, order their steps, and show them that missing piece. In Jesus' name, I give you praise. Come on and love him with me. You're in here today, and you say, Pastor, I'm ready for my promise to become my passion. I want you to come to the front of this building right now, very quickly, very quickly. Prayer partners, come up. We're going to pray for everybody that wants prayer today. Come real quick. Look, it don't take God a long time to do stuff. I mean, think about it. He made this whole world in six days. <laughs> he can handle your problem in about two seconds. That's... Stretch your hands to heaven. Remember, look, I'm not, I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm not praying for you a blessing today. 
I'm praying for your passion. I'm praying for your promise. That all of a sudden that they come together. That no matter what you're facing, it will never rob you of the hope that you have in Christ. No matter what's going on in your life, and young lady, there's been a lot going on in your life to the point that, man, there were times that even in your mind, you thought, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this. I see you sitting, crying with your head in your hands, holding yourself and and, and saying, God, I can't take anymore. I want you to stand. God hasn't changed his mind concerning you. So it's time to slide back across the seat to where he's at. Are you ready? Look, there's a time I see a place in your life and in your heart where, where you love God and it was and you love God today, but it's like there's been a drifting. Today you're coming home. Everything is greater than all things. Greater than all
let me, for those that are still here, let me just say this, is that there is a cork coming out of the bottle. A few years ago, well, several years ago when I was a kid, I took a pop bottle and I shook it up in the house. And I knew I was in trouble because I could feel the pressure pushing my thumb out. I ran for the back door, got that door open right before it blew my thumb out of the top of that bottle. And that stuff sprayed all over the awning. What I'm saying is this, is we've been setting on something that we can't hold anymore. We've got to let it come. We've got to let it come. Amen. So turn around and look at your neighbor and say, it's not just coming. It's here. Right here. Right now. Amen. God bless you. Go out and let God use you.